profits when we control our bodies. I mean, I can think of a million people right off the bat, but what do you think? Who profits? Well, for one, these diet companies profit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Men profit. People who um, sell clothes profit. People who benefit from us not trusting our bodies. Yeah. And that, that's a wide field. Yeah. That's a big yeah. field of people. And I mean, I think, right, like exploitative capitalism profits, right? In in a nutshell, that's what that does. It's like, you know who we need to control their bodies? People doing shift work. (laughs) We need you to control your body. We need you to not need to eat except on your tiny little break that maybe you'll get. Welcome to Mind Witchery. I'm your host, Natalie Miller, and I'm so glad you're here. Hello, my friend. Welcome to Mind Witchery. Oh, can you hear the excitement in my voice? I have such a treat for you today. You get to listen in on a conversation between me and a fellow evolutionary out here trying to make the world a better place for all of us in our sweet human bodies on this tough, tough planet these days. So I am here with Shanique Allen, and Shanique is an internet friend. Shanique, we met on the internet, you and I. We did. So, Shanique, please tell the lovely listener um, who you are, what you're about. Uh, Hi, everyone. I am Shanique Allen, um, and I go by the same name on Instagram where everybody finds me. And I am a nutrition strategist and mindset coach. Now, what that really means is I help people figure out how to nourish themselves in the simplest of ways possible that suits their life without the noise of diet culture and toxic diet behaviors and restrictions in mind. Mm. But really what I'm about is changing everybody's mind about what it means to pursue and live their healthiest best. Former athlete, former personal trainer who went cold turkey in giving all of that up to pursue health very differently. Yes. And so today, Shanique and I are going to talk about diet culture. We're going to talk about redefining health. Shanique has a really interesting redefinition of what health is. We're going to talk about how to approach food and maybe movement also in a way that is truly healthy, (laughs) like top to bottom for your body, for your mind, for your soul, for all of it. Because as we all know, our culture is maybe not the best at promoting health. So that said, Shanique, you had this social media post the other day that I was just got me raising my fist in solidarity. You wrote this. You wrote, Just because you aren't on a diet doesn't mean you aren't deep in diet culture. 
hashtag diet culture is ingrained. So what is that? Like, let's just kind of suss that out because I think, you know, we know we live in a diet culture. I don't, I don't think that surprises any listener to in this podcast, but what does that mean for us that we are all living in a diet culture? And in general, really, when we talk about diet culture, we're looking at the perspective that puts thin, able-bodied, as worthy, as healthy. Mm-hmm. And diets are generally geared towards achieving that standard. Let's pause right there because I think that is such a good first point, right? It's this equation of thinness with like virtue. Yep. Thinness with virtue. Thinness with, with morality. Yes. Thinness with worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even before we get to like health, we're even just thinking about like, oh, the thin body is good. Capital G, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Okay. So we have that. And then what else? What else do we have? So we have the fact that this culture is ingrained, not just from the health perspective, the eating perspective, the exercise perspective, but it's ingrained in the social structures that exist. It's ingrained in more environments and our families. So if we look into the media, if we look into the conversations you have with your aunties and your moms and your cousins and sisters, it's ingrained in that if you look at conversations around you know female bodies and what men desire, what's desirable and what's not, what's beautiful and what's not, all of those things point towards this, this thin ideal and this upholding of this thin ideal to be the perfect ideal. So thin ideal is one. And then the added layer to that, and a very uncomfortable one for a lot of us, is mm-hmm. the cisgender, white, able-bodied body mm-hmm. that fits into that thin ideal so anything outside of that and we're talking not just skin color we're talking cultures we're talking traditions anything that's outside of that is not part of it Mm -hmm. yeah and i've read about how we can watch that culture spread as globalization spreads right Mm -hmm. as televisions come to different places, mm-hmm. all of a sudden incidences of disordered eating go up because we yes. start to only see a certain type of body and we don't see other types of bodies. So Shanique, like this is not news to us. We know this as women of a certain age. We, we know this, but what are some of the insidious ways that it affects us? Because I think I think it does. Like one thing actually might be around, okay, well, I don't want to be thin, but I do want to eat well. Mm -hmm. Maybe I won't be weighing myself, but I will I will be obsessed with balancing my plate perfectly. I will be obsessed with only eating organic food. I will be obsessed Mm -hmm. with, you know, always cooking and never ordering takeout and those kinds of things. What do you think? Do you think that could be seen as an aspect of this culture, too? Yes, definitely. And then if you look at something as wanting to be 
in shape and I'm, I'm saying in shape in quotes or I don't I want I don't need to be fit I just need to look fit mm. or someone wants to have I don't want to be too bulky mm. I want to be toned I want to have you know a snatched waist or yes. um you know in those kinds of ways and if you look at things like I'm watching my waist or I'm watching my weight without necessarily being on a diet right so let's, let's look at something like shapewear. Mm. Shapewear is is one classic example. Mm-hmm. Bodies come in different sizes and shapes. Bodies will have folds and rolls, but because you know people think I can't have folds and rolls wearing this dress, or you know I have a muffin top, so it's problematic. So they need to you know shape it mm-hmm. or you know create the illusion of a certain type of shape. Mm-hmm. I mean, anything who shows up with Look at something as simple as a mom, for instance, telling her child, um, you're not going to get X if you don't eat your vegetables or mm-hmm. using ice cream as a reward type of thing. All of those things are pretty much centered around this idea that food is to be put on a pedestal. We'll use it as a dangling carrot. It's either the thing that you're going to be rewarded with or it's the thing mm-hmm. that you're going to be punished for. Mm-hmm. So, um, you see it in simple examples like that. A mom, you know, using food as something to rein her child in, or you know, berate a child, or even somebody commenting on your plate, for instance. And it's oh, I could never eat that and maintain my weight, or I wish I could eat like you, for instance, and not put on a poem, that type of thing. Yeah. So it shows up in unconscious ways that we're not even aware of. Yeah. I think the casual talk about restricting your eating and the casual talk about blame and shame around food or judgment around food, that's definitely a thing. It's actually um, when I lead retreats with women, it's a group agreement that I ask everyone to make to not talk about food in that way. Appreciate the food, enjoy the food, but nothing of like, oh my gosh, I can't help but have a second plate. Just have the second plate. There's no need to like talk about it, you know? And I think rebuilding culture involves making some agreements like that with the people in our lives like hey when we go out for brunch we're not going to we're not going to make a big deal out of ordering dessert we're not going to talk about the food in that in that kind of way yeah it does strike me Shanique that one thing that we can do right now though because um if you are in the audience and you're like damn i have some spanks or you're in the audience and you're thinking, oh, I I totally ask my kids to eat their broccoli before they get a dessert. The last thing I know I and Shanique want to do is for you to feel bad or wrong mm-hmm. about that. Like that, this is the culture we are all swimming through right now. And so like I own some shapewear, I totally do. Likewise. Yeah. Um, so it's not to make this bad or wrong. It's just to say, wow, this really does. It creeps into our closets and it creeps into our meal and into our tables, our kitchen table conversations. Yeah. I will also say that part of being an evolutionary, that's, that's, that's what you called me. Yeah is inviting every one of us every time we're broaching this topic is to 
approach it with compassion because tendency will find the tendency to berate and beat yourself up for all the things that you might be perpetuating on, yeah. you know, without even realizing that's what you're doing. So anytime you feel discomfort with a particular topic, this one in particular, if there are any listeners who feel like, oh, I'm, this might apply to me or I'm perpetuating this, the best thing or one thing you can do is one, breathe, and two, ask yourself, where am I going to show myself a little kindness and compassion. The tendency is for us to feel shame. And that's a human response, right? Again, bred by the environment that we live in, that that's going to be a response. So approaching it or thinking about it with compassion, and that's something that I speak to and invite everyone to do, whether I'm speaking on a podcast or I'm working with a client, is every single thing that we're going to do and talk about, one, recognize there's no judgment here. We're all in this trying to figure life out. Um, and two, the best thing you can do is to be kind to yourself as you figure things out. Because beating yourself up makes zero sense. And that brings me to the, this piece of that culture too, and why I say it's ingrained, is that element of beating yourself up is part of it. Like no pain, no gain. You, you yes. know, that is very much ingrained that you need to suffer to make progress or you need to suffer to achieve the goal or you need to suffer to be healthy um, or you can't make a turnaround there's nothing to say that you won't deal with some kind of discomfort and it might feel like suffering but it is not a requirement for change to happen it is not absolutely necessary especially if it's a case where it's one self-inflicted and two you don't want to do it like there is this element that people feel like they have to do something because somebody else says or some rule says that if you want to be healthy, you must do this. Really? Why is that the only route? Why is there not another solution? Why is there not an alternative? And I think the the feeling of no alternatives or this one way is what gets us in on that train of always beating ourselves up, always judging ourselves, always criticizing ourselves for not it just looking the way that it's supposed to look. And I say supposed in quotations here. Yeah. So that's something I always invite people to do. I love that. I think, yes, the invitation toward compassion. And also what I'm hearing there, Shanique, is toward individualization. It's like actually the same foods don't work for all of us. The same mm -hmm. kinds of exercise don't work for all of us. We're all dealing with different genes. We're all dealing with different conditions, both like conditions in the body, conditions in the environment. Like we are not all the same. No. So understanding that and honoring that and sort of seeing, okay, so... Maybe I've released myself, at least I want to release myself from an ideal of thinness, but let let me not replace it with another ideal. Mm -hmm. Let me not replace mm -hmm. it with, well, now mm -hmm. I'm going to be a whole 30 mm -hmm. South Beach diet. Now I'm paleo. Now yeah. I'm, you know, all of these other kind of models that are really restrictive or can be really restrictive in a way. And you see why it's, it's, it's seductive, those restrictions, because there's structure to them. Or seeing it appears there's structure, and people want 
always want answers to things. I am no exception, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the things, believe it or not, Natalie, that you've um, seriously impacted me with is in our initial introduction, um, the asking, the question you always ask on those calls was, what do you want? And people often ask you for a question, expecting an answer and be like, okay, yes, I get an answer so I can run with it. It's the same thing here with dark culture. Um, just or, or the way we operate around health and we want answers to whatever is plaguing us. So yeah. we want somebody to tell us, here's a structure, follow these rules yeah. and you'll hit it. Yes. But that's, that's, what's, that's, that's what's messing us up because guess what? That structure, when applied to my life and when applied to your life, uh -huh. We'll yield two different things. One, two, we might can't all fit the same way with that structure. Right, right. A friend of mine, she always says, "Life gets lifey," and yeah. you know when when that structure exists and you you have to follow it, and you're you're held by the reins of that. I need to follow it this way. What happens when it doesn't? When you can't follow it that way, then what? You right. fall apart, you're, you're a failure, you, you you don't want it bad enough. All these things we're told and it screws us up. We're unable to think for ourselves. We're not able to solve or find solutions on our own. And it's not that I'm not dismissing the importance and impact of community and help and asking for help. What I am advocating for is the reclaiming of self-trust. Yes. And it's something that we've lost entirely. Yes, because, you know, the other thing I was thinking when you were saying, you know, all of these different kind of programs and protocols, they offer a structure. I think they also offer a promise of control. Mm -hmm. And so many of us feel out of control. I'm doing mm -hmm. quotation marks with my hands. We feel out of control when it comes to food. That's that culture right there, sweet. Yeah. That's diet culture, right? Because diet culture is telling us we're out of control, right? It's ironic, right? Well, I mean, don't think that diet culture is any different from the Supreme Court deciding that, you know, women can't make any decisions about their bodies. This is tale as old of, as time, mm -hmm. Eve, and that, you know, damn apple. Like, <laughs> like, why are women always eating shit they shouldn't be eating? It's ruining everything. This is a narrative that's very, very old for us. And so I think, yeah, we want a sense of control. It's like, okay, tell me, what are the macros to follow? Tell me, what are the protein grams to count? What are the foods I can eat? What are the foods I can't eat? And of course, like you said, life gets lifey. And in the end, we're animals. We're human animals, right? Which means what? You can't control. There are things you can't control about the body, which essentially is what that culture wants you to do with food. Using food as a tool to or using food as something to control the body. Right. Because there's this, this perception that we've been led to believe for all these years, for as long as you know yourself, that if you just eat right, or, and I use right in, in quotes here, if you just eat right and exercise right. Yep. But there are so many things that impact your body. And we don't have as much control as you think over your body. And that's something that we've all bought into that. We have that control. And yes, you have some control to an extent. You have control of what you put in your mouth. Mm. But you, you don't have control over your genes. You don't have control over your hormones. 
You don't right. have control over your environment that impacts all of those things. You right. don't have control over all the stress that you might face, especially if you're living in marginalized communities with no access to certain things, or you're not facing the same opportunities as other communities. You don't have control over those systems. You don't have a lot of control over the oppression that exists that you're worried about. Right. I saw a story the other day about moms struggling to, or parents struggling to find formula for their kids, babies. And this is a form of stress. And I'm like, you're telling me that the message to moms now is to snap back when they have the issue of finding formula for the kids. And that's something that they have, con they have control over their body now when something like that exists. So mm -hmm. we've been fed that you have control. All you have to do is eat the right foods in the right amounts and right. exercise the right way. Right. And you will have the body. Right. All you have to do is be good. <laughs> right? That's that's really what it boils down to. All you have to do is be good. So this knocked me out, Shanique, when I learned that. And I learned this through um, the Health at Every Size folks who are mm -hmm. amazing, the intuitive eating people who are amazing. I, I really... I resonate deeply with those approaches. Do you as well? Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah. So yeah. we'll put links to those in the show notes um, too. But it knocked me out to discover that when we have the perception of restriction around food, our bodies produce more of the hormone that makes us feel hungry and less of the hormone that lets us feel satiated. Mm -hmm. It's like you don't even actually have to be restricting your calories, even if you are just telling yourself you should be. Your body will be like, wait a minute, is there a danger of not enough food? Yeah. Because I'm going to need you to eat. So I'm going to go ahead and produce the chemical that gets you eating, and I'm going to delay the chemical that makes you feel full. Shanique, I was like, yeah, that's what it feels like. I'm so interested what you have to say about this too. Yeah. When people say body is smart, they always use it as a means to an end to promote their particular restrictive message, right? Mm. But the reality is your body is smart and it is going to do what it needs to do to survive. And restriction is not just with the, the food that you put in. It starts before the food even gets anywhere near you. Like you said, just the thought process because thinking has a profound effect on your um, your biology, right? Yeah. That's how stress works, right? Yeah. The same way stress works on your brain and your body, it's the same way your thought patterns around food and particularly around restriction impact your body as well. So if you were to think of it intuitively yes that's to be expected because your body is smart yeah but of course what happens is here i am i'm trying to be quote unquote good, good. Mm -hmm. i'm trying to not eat at bedtime i'm trying to have my salads right and i have this restrictive mentality and i'm i go to bed and i'm hungry i'm hungry and so what do i do maybe i get up and i have a piece of toast. Maybe I get up and I have, and then what do I do? Feel guilty about it. Exactly. Right. This is not me, by the way, everybody don't worry. Like I've, <laughs> I'm still working through my, my own kind of disordered eating history, but like 
I know enough not to be here anymore. But what I'm saying is what yet what generally happens is, yeah, you feel terrible. You feel bad about yourself. You feel like there's something wrong with you. Right. So that's the thing. Yeah. Your inability to stay disciplined, that thought falls yes. back on you when it is the restrictive practices right. that that culture tends to push. Exactly. But no, you are the problem. You exactly. are supposed to eat on time. You're supposed to only eat this amount of food and any cue about hunger that you get. Oh, you're supposed to ignore that. Or you're supposed to distract that. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what messes us up because if your body is like this foghorn that goes off all the time mm-hmm. and you, you're like, la, 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 your hands over your ears, la, 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 la. And you keep doing that. At some point, those moths get so thick that that sound is muted. So you're yes. unable to even detect it. Yes, yes. So there's constant diverting hunger or your hunger is not real. That's the thing. And that culture teaches you, or let me just say restrictive methods or restrictive eating behaviors teach you. Your hunger yeah. isn't real. You cannot trust your hunger because if right. you follow your hunger, it means you're greedy. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to overeat. Mm-hmm. When your hunger is a natural physiologi- physiological response. Yes. How does that make sense? It's incredible, right? I, I had a wonderful day with um, a friend um, and colleague, Lexi Merritt, the other day. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. She said one of the questions she asks herself, and it's so simple, I love this, is she says, wait a minute, who profits from this? So let's ask ourselves, right? Wait a minute. This doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to restrict food. It doesn't make sense to disconnect people from bodies or try to make people control bodies, right? Like what I'm hearing you argue for, Shanique, is like, let's not control our bodies. Let's trust our bodies. Let's not have discipline. Let's have compassion. But who profits when we control our bodies? I mean, I can think of a million people right off the bat. But what do you think? Who profits? Well, for one, these diet companies profit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Men profit. People who um, sell clothes profit. People who benefit from us not trusting our bodies. Yeah. And that's a wide field. That's a big field of people. And I mean, I think, right, like exploitative capitalism profits, right? In a nutshell, that's what that does. It's like, you know who we need to control their bodies? People doing shift work. (laughs) We need you to control your body. We need you to not need to eat except on your tiny little break that maybe you'll get. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It, It does kind of come down to that who profits when women hate their bodies everyone who wants to control women's bodies profits right because it's it's harder to stand up for something you hate oh goodness it is it's mind-blowing it is mind-blowing when you think about all the facets of it Mm -hmm. so okay so we're here for something different though right i love to dive in and to get clearer on what diet culture is and also You're here, Shanique, standing for something different and creating something different. And me too. And me too. I'm here for this too. So we've already kind of said we want to go for trust and compassion. 
We want to recognize and honor the diversity of bodies. Like not every body is the same. We're different shapes and sizes. We have different needs. We have different sensitivities, like all of those kinds of pieces. You also have this super interesting redefinition of what health is. Could you talk about that a little bit? Because I think when we think of health, like you said earlier, we conflate it with virtuousness and goodness and thinness and control and discipline and all of those things. How are you redefining health? Well, I'm going to use a word. Use a word nourishment to define health. Mm. Because it's not just about my physical health. It's about my mental health, my emotional well-being, the creativity and spirituality, um, feeding those things as well. So for me, health is a broad spectrum of things. And in working with anyone or speaking with anyone, you always want to honor that and ask, invite people, how can you honor all aspects of your health? Not just the physical piece. Because the physical piece, while it's important, is often the focus when people think of health. And there are mm-hmm. so, there are really a whole bunch of things that, falls under health. It's just a small piece. There's yeah. so many other things. There's family, there's your relationships, there's your spirituality, there is your, your job, your career, your, your finances, um, your home environment, um, your social responsibilities. All of those things make up your health. So for me, health is nourishment and using the things, tools, resources, what you have access to, to nourish not just your body but everything that you need nourishment Mm -hmm. you need to be nourishing Mm -hmm. yeah that's going to add to your sense of well-being your sense of safety so for me health is not just this tiny speck even though i coach nutrition a lot of what i invite clients to do is big picture let's let's go outside of the food that you eat what else exists and how can we channel the nourishment that we take in in whatever form to mm-hmm. make sure that we are thriving the best ways that we can, thriving in ways that we want to thrive, and how that's also going to impact the communities we live in, the homes we live in. Mm. So when you think of health, I'm not just talking about my own individual health. It's also the yes. health of the collective. Yes. And while there's some individualism to it, it is still part of a collective and you still yes. and you have to you have to you, there's no two ways about it you have to consider that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i've seen this for myself and i've seen this for so many clients people who are starving for pleasure starving for love <laughs> starving for connection and for meaning for like meaningful connection starving for rest Mm, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think those are all those are all big ones, right? Um, starving for peace of mind, like mm-hmm. constantly in a state of judgment and worry and judgment and worry, right? And so, you know, is it any surprise that we self-soothe with television? P.S. I love television, as you all know. With food, P.S. I love food, as you all know, right? I, again, no blame. But those are, those are easily accessible when some of that other nourishment 
it requires some bigger shifts, right? What do you think we're shifting away from when we're shifting toward nourishment? Like, where are we? Why don't we have more nourishment in that broader sense culturally? I think part of that comes from accepting that there's only one form of or one way to do certain things. Mm-hmm. And because if it's not done this way, that's where the judgment comes in. That's where the, you're measuring yourself against you know, other people. So people measure themselves in terms of who is earning this, who yeah. is earning six figures or whatnot, or right. who has this body and whatnot. So mm-hmm. it's this, again, upholding of an ideal mm-hmm. that kind of takes our attention away from what we truly need but we're moving towards what we think we need because it is the idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we're told, right? Productivity, be productive, work hard, then you'll get everything that you want. All the things that you want. Yeah. Yeah. We're not like, (laughs) nobody's saying, treat yourself as kindly and generously as possible. (laughs) No, 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 we're not getting that. No. No, everybody's like, you need to push hard. You need to hustle hard. Yeah. You need to do this. You need to do that. Yeah. And in the pursuit of all of those things, you completely forget that you are a human living, breathing mm-hmm. being that needs some kind of sustenance, that needs nourishment. And that nourishment might lead you in different places. It might not lead you towards this ideal, right. but it will lead you to where you can be thriving. It can lead you to where you can be happy. Yeah. And sometimes I think when we when we do look at the places that we're starving, <laughs> starving for meaningful work, starving for good sex in our relationship, right? Whatever mm-hmm. it is that we're really we're really hungry for, when we turn towards those, sometimes there are some big changes mm-hmm. that need to happen. And that can be really scary. Yeah. That can certainly be scary. And it's almost like the safety of the dysfunction or the disconnect. Right. There's some safety in it. Like, I know that this is not right. I know that this is not nourishing. Right. But I don't know what else exists. I'm safe right now knowing this exists or this is not feeling good. Right. But I don't know when I change it, what it's going to mean. And that you know, uh, uncertainty or the fear of that unknown makes it an even harder thing to shift towards. Yes. Yeah. It's like, yeah, let me, (laughs) if we go back to that control element too, it's like, okay, I'll stay in this shitty marriage and this shitty job, but I'm going to go out of my mind on that plate of nachos. (laughs) Like I'm going all in on that plate of nachos. (laughs) I can get some pleasure there. Listen, nachos are like best, right? So, um, but you know what I mean? It's like, well, yeah, it's no, it's no wonder. It's no wonder. And then of course, let me hate myself for it afterward. So I stay in the shitty job and I stay in the shitty marriage, right? Oh, it's just a vicious cycle. It is. The other thing I loved you saying about health, um, I don't remember where I saw this, Shanique, because I'm a fan. I follow your stuff. But it was something about health and healing, that health is not this kind of like golden snitch. I don't know. This Harry Potter reference just came to me. It's not. I love that. love that. Health isn't this thing that like if you're good and fast and talented enough, you'll get it and then it'll be yours. 
health is actually a process and it involves healing. Yeah, it's not a destination that you get to and put your feet up. Yes. Uh-huh. It's a journey that yeah. has no end date. So yeah. it's a matter of literally strapping in and recognizing that there are going to be some real bumpy points. But then mm -hmm. once you can get through those bumpy points, or if you choose to work through those bumpy points, that's on the other side of that is the healing, which then makes the journey not easier so much as more durable, or you make you durable for the journey, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. And healing for a lot of people comes in many different ways. Um, so when I speak of it, generally, I'm speaking of you know, I, again, I'm inviting people what part of you needs to heal. Yeah. Because a lot of us use food as a way to we figure, okay, if I can fix my body, then I will have the healing that I need. When food is the very last thing that you need healing with, it might just be fixing your relationship, leaving a toxic relationship. It might be yeah. getting, you know, a hold on your finances. It might be, you know, dealing with your, your childhood trauma or, you know, your family, you shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it, a lot of us focus on healing from the, okay, I need to just heal my body. And by mm -hmm. heal, it might for a lot of people, it means I need to just lose weight. If you hear a lot of people, a lot of people, no shame here, no judgment here. But I often, I often hear in conversations that I have with people who are trying to shift something in their lives use their weight as the thing they need to do yes so the weight i need to lose this weight yeah so it's not i need to work on lowering my blood pressure or i need right. to improve my lipid profile or right. i need to you know help with my breathing so my asthma does not flare up the way it does it's yeah it, i need to sleep right? i need to figure out how to sleep all those things are secondary and what is primary is the weight. And weight is not a behavior. It is not. Health-promoting habits vary. Health-promoting habits have very little to do with weight. And people will tell you the science says X, Y, Z. I'm like, the science, a lot of the science was done by one type of population. One. Two, yep. it's not particularly expansive. Mm -hmm. And it excludes a lot of communities that are disproportionately affected by certain conditions and certain right. situations. That's right. Turns out science is also kind of racist and patriarchal. Yeah. What do you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, some, there are some science that's happening now to change that, studies to, to shift that, but mm -hmm. it's still, we're still predominantly impacted by science that was done on a limited yes. type of population. So yes. um, I'm, I was saying, what I was talking about science, so the science can go so far, but at the same time, you cannot ignore people's lived experiences. No. And, and also what I'm hearing as you're saying that is that um, there's how you look and there's what the scale says. And then there's how you feel and how your body is actually functioning. Yeah. Like I've said this before, I gained a lot of weight when I started lifting weights. Of course I did. I'm so much stronger now, right? And the scale, I won't lie to you, the scale, I was like, what is happening? And mm -hmm. how did I feel? Exactly how they've taught me to feel. 
Mm -hmm. out of control, concerned, something might be wrong, right? Even though I had less pain and better endurance and, Mm -hmm. you know, all all (laughs) kinds of other things, I felt good. But the numbers and my and my shirts <laughs> that didn't fit around on my shoulders anymore, you know, said differently to me. So yeah, or a friend Steph, she talks about that often in terms of something as simple as getting stronger as a measure of progress, a measure of good. Good, I use good in quotes. Good health, mm-hmm. like. People see those things as secondary because the weight is the primary focus. And here's here's my thing. I have no problem if someone wants to change their weight. There's nothing wrong if that's what you want to do because, hey, body autonomy is the thing. And we Mm -hmm. all have it and should have it. What I am inviting people to do is to think about that weight in a different light. Is it the weight that you're concerned with Mm -hmm. or what the weight means right or a great way to do it is to ask why people will say why it's because of my weight why my knees hurt or it's because of the weight why i'm having back pain i'm like well let's see is that is that the case let's evaluate right and then if we look at all the things that may or may not be happening one we can't tell what the cause of it is until you try something when you and try something that makes sense because it's not it's never really about the weight more often than not about what the weight means or no either what it means or what it no longer means for somebody right right but also we attach an identity to changing bodies or a loss of an of identity there is this fear of losing your identity and i can speak to this specifically because i'm a former athlete competitive athlete um, spent a good portion of my life up to my mid-30s being that. And yeah. when I stopped, it's you almost like you're grieving the person who you were because your body's changed. You're no yeah. longer that fit. And I say that's in quotations. Yeah. And as that change continues to show, you struggle with, okay, so who am I now outside of that weight? Who am mm-hmm. I outside of? playing my sport who am I outside of that body and not for nothing there is a privilege that comes with having that kind of a body on the outside right yeah if you (laughs) if you have a sense of longing for the days when you looked in a bikini the way that the culture the dominant culture says you should look in a bikini that makes sense you did have more power than you had that privilege right it is shifting though you know just today i was bra shopping online and i was pleasantly surprised by the number of photos I saw with stretch marks, with rolls, Mm -hmm. with a wider variety. Real bodies. Yes, of real bodies with prosthetic limbs. I mean, I was was really excited actually to see that. And I thought, you know, as I'm thinking about my media diet, like what I consume media-wise, I need more and more of this. I need to look for these accounts. I need to look at these catalogs. I need to look at these companies because they're showing me reality, right? Yeah. Um, and it felt it felt really good to shop for a bra on a site where I was like, oh, yeah, that's kind of what my boobs look like. <laughs> And it's important because that's how we could 
use a phrase representation matters. Yeah. Because, and, and you see that I made, I reposted somebody else's um, Instagram post yesterday where she said, diversify your feed. Yeah. And it showed a range of fitness instructors who don't look like the normal, what people would consider to be fit. People right. were talking, people in fat bodies and black bodies. Um, in um, disabled people, we're talking queer, trans people, mm-hmm. and it was a call. I'm like, and I, I'm like, I need to reshare this because this is truly something that we need to see. Mm-hmm. I remember years ago when I was a personal trainer, and I was looking for some YouTube videos to demonstrate um, some exercise, as opposed to me filming it. It wasn't as Back then, you know, having the, the apps now was not as easy yeah. as then. Uh-huh. So now it's very easy to just find a different kind of exercise. Yeah. I was looking for somebody who looked like me mm-hmm. and it, could not find a black woman doing exercises. Much less when you Google, mm-hmm. when you Google black women doing exercises, I wanted to tear my hair out. Yeah. And it, it pissed me off. I'm like, something is wrong with this. But at the same time, you're like, oh, well, I guess this is the status quo and mm-hmm. it it was just sad and I'm like if there are so many people looking for people to look like them uh represent them in these spaces of health and wellness yeah. what happens when they don't see them so part of dismantling that culture and being is one recognizing the privilege that exists for a lot of people um mm-hmm. and two recognizing that there are different bodies that exist in the space that are yeah. healthy, that are fit, or even if they are not healthy. And I use healthy in quotes here because there's also this perception that if so long as you're healthy, then you're good, you're okay, you're worth it. But you have people with chronic conditions and autoimmune conditions. They have no control over these things. Are they not worthy as well? And mm-hmm. that's part of the questioning that needs to happen and and that's just now happening too so I'm also trying to mindful when I speak of healthy because you're kind of this sense of you being moral you being better right than somebody else because as long as you're healthy when the spectrum of health is wide so we have to honor that yeah that's why I love orienting the idea of health toward like this sort of healing right mm. health health isn't this thing that we just achieve health is being in the process of healing and isn't that what we're all doing all the time we are always healing right as we as life gets lifey <laughs> yeah. and we heal from it so you know that makes me think also Shanique I'm sure it's May so People may be thinking about bathing suits right now, mm-hmm. right? Like myself. Um, yep. I'm always amazed how I will get anxious about buying a bathing suit. And really the best thing for me to do is to go to the beach. <laughs> because on the beach are so many different bodies And on the beach, what are people doing? They're reading their books. They're looking for shells. They're building sandcastles. They're swimming in the ocean. Maybe they're kind of looking at other people's bodies, but like, it's not what I imagine. Like, I'm going to (laughs) be like, like, in the spotlight. (laughs) In the spotlight. It's like, oh, I forgot. Actually, everyone has different bodies, right? When I actually get into the world. And you know what matters a hell of a lot less than my like or or a hell of a lot more than my belly is like this 
ocean or this receding shoreline that's freaking me out. <laughs> it's like climate change is happening, right? It's like, right? wow, there there are there are more important things. So that actually brings me to this is this was just devastating. I loved this so much from you. This is another Shanique post, everybody. So if you don't already follow her on the gram. Um, or the Facebook, you should definitely go and find her. So here we go. Are you ready? She says, you say, Shanique, torturing yourself with food and fitness in preparation for summer body season is not discipline. It's disordered behavior. And I was, again, fist up. I was like, yes, it is. It is like think about it seriously. Twelve months in a year. Summer yeah. is three months in some places, uh-huh. all year in others. But it mm-hmm. is the season when people are going to be showing off with bodies and parties and the beach. It doesn't have to be the beach because where I'm from, yeah. yeah, it's always on the beach. But parties right. are happening all summer right. long. Yeah, all these events that people want to show up and show out. So summer body, and you always hear people talk about summer body. There are songs about summer body mm-hmm. and people will put themselves through, I need to lose 15 pounds. I need to get ready for this event and put themselves through pain and torture. Mm-hmm. To what end? To go to a few events and then what? I mean, first of all, let's talk about the fact that people will cut out the food only to go to a party to eat the bo- especially if it's one of those all-inclusive parties. Yes. They will go to a party to, we would say, nyam dung, <laughs> shell, eat nyam dung the buffet and drink their weight in alcohol. Right. It, yeah. Does that not spell disordered behavior? I don't right. know if that doesn't spell disordered behavior. I don't know what it is. And that screws up their relationship. Maybe it doesn't for some, but for many and yes. most, it does because it puts them back on the cycle. Okay, when summer's finished, then it's back to normal. And then yes. when summer's coming up again, it's like, let's turn things up. So they do all the, the hard workouts, the multiple workouts a day. Mm-hmm. They're eating just the salads and the protein. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how is your relationship with food? Can you be around food and it not be one the thing you think about all the time? Mm-hmm. If you're always thinking about your next meal or thinking about the next time you're going to eat, because this is what happens when you restrict food, food gets on your head. Like that's oh, yeah. all you think about. Right. Again, because the body's smart. Like you said, body's smart. Body's like, wait, are we not having food? Because we actually need food. So let's think about it. Yeah. I'm going to make you be consumed with thoughts of food. Right. Yep. And that does not seem, um, a red flag does not go off. No. What happens is, I just need to be more disciplined. That's what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, punish yourself with all these kinds of exercises. And if it's not, if you're not dying on the floor when you're done and sweating buckets and burning all these calories, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. It just, it's got to stop. Like at some point you are going to have to say this is enough. Yes. So, so Shanique and I stand for a world where we are turning away from controlling our bodies and toward nourishing our bodies, turning away from discipline and toward compassion. And we're standing for a world where health is healing. 
it is hard to be a human in an industrialist, capitalist, late capitalist society. These structures we've built are not for people. Robots. They're not for people. They, 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 don't, they don't treat people and our health well. And so I love this um, Shanique's invitation that we can think about our health more broadly like expanding it out beyond the scale number or the measurement number, the size number, and into all the other things that matter in our lives. I just, that is, that is just so good. So, so Shanique, you gestured toward this already. So many of us, we want to nourish our bodies and we want to nourish our bodies with food and exercise. It's not to say those things aren't important. They're very important, but we don't know how and we we need help. So you offer that. So do you want to tell people a little bit about how they can work with you and learn from you? Yeah. So first of all, if you want to connect with me, I am on Instagram, Shanique Allen underscore. Um, I'm also on Twitter at that same handle. Facebook, you have to be a friend of mine. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. But in terms of working with me, you can go to my website, www.shaniqueallen.com. And I currently work with people around through nourishment strategies. That's what I call them. Uh, strategy sessions, rather. These are sessions where we take a deep dive into what's going on in your life and how it is that you want to better nourish yourself so you can show up in life the way that you want. And if you're struggling with food, outside of, say, having an eating disorder, in which I will always refer people out to mm -hmm. licensed practitioners for that because I'm not a therapist, nor am I licensed to deal with people um, to treat or counsel those with eating disorders, mm -hmm. I do help people wade through some of the habits that they do have that might promote disordered eating. Mm -hmm. So I work with people to develop what I call nourishment strategies so that they can use food as a tool it was meant to be. It's, food is neutral. It's a neutral tool, but it, it's a tool that fosters or that facilitates things like connection, um, you know, shared community, um, culture, and getting people to see that and use it in the way they want it to, in that force of a purpose they need it for, so that they can add the nourishment that they, they're, they're needing in their lives. So through nourishment strategy sessions, you can set up a call with me to discover if that's something that you want, www.shinikalan.com. Um, and I can't wait to talk to anyone who wants to find their own nourishment strategies so they can be themselves. I love it. All right. So everyone listening, please know you already have a bikini body. Show up. You already have one. Just put it on. I'll see you at the beach. And you already have a beach body. Just show up. Yes. Yep. You already have a beach body. And um, you know what? If you're out of control, good. We need you out of control right now. <laughs> we don't we don't need you in control. How about in compassion and in health and in pleasure and in healing. Healing and in healing. Shanique, thank you so much for joining me today on the mind witchery thank you for having me all right everyone thanks so much for listening bye for now 
thank you for listening to this episode of Mind Witchery. To catch all the magic I'm offering, please subscribe to the show. Or if you want a little bit of weekly witchiness in your inbox, sign up for my Sunday letter at mindwitchery.com. If today's episode made you think of a friend or loved one, your sister, your neighbor, please tell them about it. We need more magic makers in this troubled world. Like all good things, this podcast is co-created by stellar people. Our music is by fabulous DJ, artist, and producer, Shammy D. Our gorgeous art is by the sorcerers at New Moon Creative. Mind Witchery is produced in conjunction with Particulate Media, K.O. Myers, executive producer. And I am Natalie Miller. Till next time.